We are looking to empower current and former foster youth. Unbelievably resilient. The next generation of great foster youth. And now season two of the You Are Foster Strong podcast. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome back to the Foster Strong podcast. This is Carrie on the mic today, and I am so excited to be here alongside Slam and Lino. Guys, go ahead and say hi to our listeners. Hey, everybody. How you doing? It's been a while since we've had this trio together, huh? Yes, it has. I know. I don't even know. I've been been on the hiatus for a while in general. You want people to miss you. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's slam's motto she like disappeared for a while and then it's like everyone's gonna everyone's gonna miss me and then i'm gonna sneak back in miss you. i love it uh well i cannot believe that we are at our 10th episode in our second season season two has seriously flown by it's, mm-hmm. it's crazy mm-hmm. And last week, we dove into romantic relationships with our guest, Josh Johns. If you all had not listened to that, highly recommend. He had shared a lot of great things about his life story and his experience with romantic relationships, seeing his mom's romantic relationships. And, you know, coming away from that last episode, it made me think a lot about my own story. And thinking back on that, the story that I was always told growing up about my birth parents was that I was sort of a one night stand baby and I was not planned and they did not expect to have me. And they were a little bit older and they both had kids of their own already. And they both had problems of their own already. And the way that I always understood it was that the last thing they really needed was another child. So my parents had their own issues already. And then having an unplanned pregnancy and having me really complicated things. And I don't think that my experience and my parents' experience is unique when it comes to foster care and why many kids end up in the foster care system. And you know what, Kara, I think... Uh, I'm glad that, first of all, that you said unplanned pregnancy, you know, because usually you heard a lot in the past teen pregnancies, you know, but the the good term is just unplanned pregnancies. I mean, because it it seems like, because to me, like when I think about it and I think about the the statistics and the kids are in foster care, the majority of these kids aren't coming from teen parents. They're coming from unplanned pregnancies from adults, you know, uh, full-grown individuals, you know what I mean? Well, I mean... I think that first off, my question is, when did you find out this information? Like, how early did you know that you were kind of unplanned? And that has to affect a child's morale and sense of self if they're learning at a young age that nobody wanted them kind of a thing. Oh, yeah, I definitely I mean, I was really young when I think it came up when I had asked questions about my parents and I wanted to know more about their story and what their experience was. And that was the generic story that I, that I was told. And I think, yeah, looking back about how it impacted my identity, that probably contributed to a lot of questions around my worth. And really, am I, does anyone, has anyone ever really wanted me or loved me type of thing? 
And isn't that like what we always hear, though, what we think every foster care kid feels is that, or what we're, some of them, a lot of them are told, which is that you're here because no one wanted you, you know. That's, yeah, that that's seems the, to be, yeah, the that theme. seems to be. I was told that my mom didn't want me, um, but my mom does call me her love child, and my siblings hate it. So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, she does say you 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 the only one I I wanted and plan, not wanted but plan. <laughs> she wanted all of you the only one I actually plan, uh, type of thing. But um, but you know that's just our little joke in our family. But yeah, but we get that theme a lot. You know, when you're foster care, everyone just feels no one no one wanted you and you know that's yeah i mean and that 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 really brings us to what we're talking about today which is sexual health and because it's all of this has to do with the conversations that people are having and the stigma around sexual awareness around plant like family planning around just the, this topic in general people really scurry around it and they're they're really scared of it. Yeah, there's a lot of stigma. And, you know, here at the Foster Strong Podcast, one of the things that we want to do is break down a lot of the stigmas, the stereotypes. We cover a range of topics and themes on our podcast. And today we want to talk about sexual health and, and really just have a normal conversation about it because it is, it is a big part of life. And it's an important topic to talk about and think about and um and all of the things so I mean you know let's just start out broad and talk about what you guys and I mean you guys as in Slam and Lino think are some of the biggest issues that come up around sexual health and foster care and, and the intersection of those two things um well I feel like <clears throat> First of all, it's like uh, it's not uh, specific to even though we can uh, put it to false care, but just uh, in general to everybody. First of all, not just sexual health, but just sexual awareness, because that's what I like to think about. You know, when we think sexual health, I think sometimes we just think about the condoms, the birth controls, the like, like uh, Lena was saying when we were backstage earlier, the science of everything and, and not really that other side of things, which is the romantic part of it and the emotional things and then the information and just being personally and individually aware of of your sex, have your own sexual awareness, not just knowing the science and knowing you can catch this and knowing what to do, but knowing how you in generally feel about it yourself when you think about it, when you talk about it, when you hear other people on the side of you talk about, it, especially um, kids, you know, um, you know, in, in school, mainly high school ages, you know, when you hear your friends boasting, because sometimes they boast and they ain't do nothing, but when you hear them boasting and things like that, how that makes how that makes you feel. You know, and I feel like we don't, we discuss a lot of the science, but sometimes we don't discuss that other side, which is being aware of your, your personal feelings on sex and talks of sex and intimacy. I feel like they just put, 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 and that, I'm not saying anything wrong with the health side, because I know we're going to touch on that a little bit too and how I feel about that. But just in general, I think one of the biggest issues is that we, we don't put enough of that other side into it. Mm, like the emotional health. Mm -hmm piece of things no yeah i mean i agree a lot you it's you're as you're talking about that and saying these like science and whatnot i'm just thinking back to you know when we all had that just around the corner video in like elementary school oh, yeah like, we went in separate rooms and, <laughs> boy <laughs> yeah and um and you you start hearing and they show you like pictures of like 
STIs and mm-hmm. STDs and like it's it's always this like very medical they approach it in a very medical kind of way and honestly um the type of education you get regarding sexual awareness differs from state to state uh if you just look at the curriculums just because of the political environments uh, because in some sense i've i've heard um you know feminists um authors and think talk about how the body is is a, is a war is a war place and, and treated as such and um and people uh tiptoe and they feel you know, really, really on edge when they're in this arena. And I think that that it's really, it's really emboldening to hear people talk about sex in a very positive way to say sex is not bad and there, and we should be having conversations about it. And that should be like the starting point is starting from that foundation of, you know, it's not some taboo thing that's out there. And obviously there are things that are taboo that are out there. But my point is, is that at the end of the day, it's just conversation and being emboldened to, to have those conversations. So going back to your question about, you know, what do we think some of the big issues are? I, I think, you know, speaking as a man, um, about consent, um, I think conversations around consent and masculinity. And I think that, I mean, we do live in this environment in which it is very heavily impacted by, you know, the male gaze, the patriarchy, and these, these other big buzzwords that basically mean that for ages, the, the men of the, the reigning men of society, the Kings and etc. have created these narratives of like the female body is something to be looked at, not necessarily as an equal or something like that. And so this male gaze really creates this, this, some, this kind of, it's, it's really um, what the word I'm looking for. It's like, it's kind of, it's almost like consumerism. And then you hear about these, these, um, the, this curriculum in certain parts of the state that are saying the, having these analogies about like when like a sock, and like wearing an old sock. And if you like, do you want to give away uh, a new sock? I've heard these like really weird analogies from those. You mean like, analogies j- of like your, how many partners you have. And if you're sleeping around, then you're going to be comparable to an old sock. Yeah. So oh, something, yeah. 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 Cause I think, I think you got to help the listeners understand that analogy a little bit, but really, really what I think is coming through and both what you were saying, Sam, and what now you're saying, Lino, which I wasn't going to talk about, but now it's like really standing out to me is there is a huge issue when it comes to sexual health and foster care around shame Mm -hmm. and how a lot of young people in foster care have been sexually abused and how when you're young and that happens to you, like you do blame yourself and you do feel like, you know, this is bad and and you know this is my fall and all these adults are reacting in these really big ways and it's so hard not to internalize all of that when you're so young and you don't understand all of these pieces and so it is really easy to just completely turn inward and let this shame grow inside of you and we don't really talk about that when it comes to how we're how we're talking about sexual health with um, young people in foster care and I think that leads to bigger issues that leads to like years and years of impact on us I would be curious what you guys think about that no um I agree with you I mean definitely on that part of of being shamed you know and first of all just to go back to the first part of what you said one of the I definitely think you know sexual assault is definitely going to change 
how you feel, how you interpret, or anything when it comes uh, around sex. So kids are in foster care. Their their caregivers definitely should know if they had any anything around that, even the smallest thing, you know, as just some as harassment. Anything around that is going to cause could cause some type of trauma. Um, but like you were saying, the, the, like I said, the biggest thing is, is the shaming and not even being shamed because you know more than what you know because we already know that a lot of kids that are in foster care, you know, when we mature faster, you know, sometimes mm-hmm. we're more experienced on things that has to do with life, you know what I mean, um, than other kids are. So not even being shamed because we know more, you know, meeting us where we at and not even being shamed if we don't know as much as we should, you know, maybe we should know a little more than what we know and not even being shamed for that but informing us because um knowing about sex being misinformed about sex is just as dangerous as not knowing anything about it because when you're misinformed yeah when you're misinformed you're gonna it's so many other things that can happen too especially when you're misinformed about your own feelings of what sex should make you feel like or how it should you know what it should put inside your you know what i'm trying i'm getting that but um you know if you're not informed on those things that can be dangerous too and that's when you find yourself with sexual part partners that you shouldn't have been with or that abuse you even more and then some people think this is how it's supposed to be I'm supposed to do that so that misinformation is just as bad as not having any information and a lot of times kids come in foster care either having too much information or the wrong information or not enough information and there's no one really there to to correct them or give them that those missing pieces or or you know putting stuff right for them yeah, I think what you said right now, um, I think I, I, I almost want to rewind just a little bit to kind of um, build some kind of ground underneath us because as we're talking about sex and feelings about sex, I feel like um, it's also important to kind of um, coalesce around some kind of common understanding. And one of the, um, there is this, um, this, this, this PhD, this doctor who um, studies human sexuality, who and, I, and they say that um, you can think of sex as like this dual control system. That's what they call it. And essentially it's like you have things that are accelerators and you have things that are decelerators and that sex in some sense is you have an emotional response to it and that it's it's happening up here in the brain in terms of like there are things that are going to um, that are going to act in favor of sexual arousal. And then there's going to be things that act against that and things like stress. And, you know, that's, so that's where like some of that parts of consent and things that I, that we were talking about and this underlying theme of consent throughout all of this is that if you don't feel safe and comfortable, then your experience is not necessarily going to be a safe and comfortable experience with sex. And so in some sense we have to set, the the basis and talk about how you know there are things that in some sense are accelerators and decelerators and that sex is in some sense an emotional experience and everybody's emotional experience is based upon their past their history the things that they've been through and as we know with people that grow up in foster care there is complex trauma compounded trauma as well and that that can get really murky and so I think it's really important to sift through some of those emotions and to understand for yourself you know in a basic sense and to just come to a a basic understanding as we kind of continue this conversation Mm -hmm. I hope y'all listeners out there taking notes this is Foster Strong Sexual Health 101 
So, uh, <laughs> and pads, we're giving y'all the deeds and the teas over here. Um. <laughs> Yo, I was, I was thinking about it. I was like, the birds and the bees, the grass and the trees, and the wind and the breeze. Yeah, I've heard that one before. Shoot. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think a lot of, too, what we're, we're talking about is really like wanting to help our listeners who struggle to have conversations about this know what has been helpful to us and what was unhelpful to us when Mm. when we were sort of growing up and either hearing about sexual health or not hearing about sexual health and Mm. I think one of the really I'll just share from from my experience that I am a survivor of sexual abuse and a survivor of sexual assault and that does have an impact. Like what Lena was saying, like there are just, it's complex and it changes the way that you view sex. And one of the things that was when I was having the conversation about sex as a a very uh, (laughs) young person, just learning about the birds and the bees, it was very much um, put upon me that, you know, sex is only for marriage. Sex is only to be in this confines. It was very like, you know, there are so many walls around it. And so I think that has a possibility to breed even more shame because of that argument around like sex is only for marriage. Like, you know, what are the implications for somebody who has experienced sexual abuse or assault when you're saying things like that? The implication is that you're sort of telling them that they're broken or that, you know, that they have a stain on them or something. And that is really problematic, again, for our sense of self-worth and self-esteem. And so um, if you are a parent and, and you're figuring out how to talk to your kids about these issues, be careful, especially for young people who you know have experienced sexual abuse or assault themselves. Um, it's just really complex and layered. Mm-hmm. And I think, I mean, in two things. One, I feel like one, like like you said, specifically to kids who are in foster care i mean think about it. it's awkward enough for parents to talk about sex with their birth children and it's awkward enough for for their children to talk to them how do you think it is for someone who's been moving around who's had who's got so many other issues going on the last thing they want to think about is puberty and now hormones and now sex to go up to this individual who they may have known for two months if not less and and talk and be vulnerable and be honest and and ask questions and talk about sex you know that's hard you know what i mean and so for any you know caregivers listening i would say you know if that occurs i'm you know i'm not a parent nothing but I, as a person who was in care and and knowing how that feels i would say just be ready to be really open with them because you have to you have to Put yourself in their shoes a little and know that they're already in a difficult place, already in a difficult mm-hmm. place. They they already don't really know you, don't know how long they're they're going to be around you. So be willing. And they probably know more than what you think they know or they probably don't know as much. So don't even come in assuming that because you've seen them and because you heard them talking because we repeat stuff. We know that. We repeat stuff mm-hmm. other people say because it sounds cool, even if we don't know anything about it. So don't assume mm-hmm. just because you've heard them talking with friends, saying stuff that may sound sexual, that they are informed or that they know because they're probably just saying stuff. So you have to be ready to be open 
I would say that's and that's for all parents. Be open, cause I think we forget how it was when we were kids. We know we had all, and it probably even worse. You know, back in the day where you really couldn't talk about nothing with sex. Mm-hmm. You slept in twin beds, this side and this side. You only <laughs> together when you was having sex, and then you separated. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's such you a. Those are such great points, Sam. <laughs> and I feel like, also like, just at a baseline, if you're trying to have a conversation. Um, with with a, a child or young person that you're fostering about sex, like first and foremost, there has to be safety. Mm-hmm. They have to feel safe around you. They have to feel sa- in the safe space to explore that conversation with you. And so really the most important thing that you can do just up front is to really not come with that judgmental, um, you know, the judgmental front just really being like, I want to be here for you and I want you to know you can talk to me about anything and I'm not going to force you to talk to things about me, but I want to be here. I want to, you know, help you find resources. I want to help educate you. I want you to know you have nothing to be ashamed about. I want you to know this is a very normal part of life and I want you to be safe. And so uh, let's, let's have those conversations when you're ready, but not forcing anything on them because that is going, that is such a quick way to make them shrink up and go into themselves and definitely not want to talk to you about these things. I want you to know about the work that I get to do at Institute for Family. I'm Isaiah, and at the Institute, we believe that families are the foundation for healthy children and even stronger communities. You see, family voice is key to figuring out what we can do differently to ensure that families have the supports that they actually need to thrive. And that's why we are handing over the mic to families and we are turning up the volume because their stories matter. And when we listen, we learn and are inspired to act. We are acting alongside families for families. And I want you to walk alongside families with us. You can subscribe to our email list at instituteforfamily.org. That's instituteforfamily.org to tune into incredible family stories, learn with us from their firsthand expertise, and help us imagine something more for families. Like, as we're, as we're talking about this, and as, you know, there are, I mean, obviously, like, kids sometimes can get um also be like ew cute cooties and you know what i'm saying like obviously that has to be age appropriate right but i think one thing that um that i'm that if, if, if there's anything that you can kind of communicate to your youth and and get get across to them it's that they have essentially the right to to choose what level of intimacy that they expose themselves to and that they can revoke that at any point in time. And that includes with you in any of their relationships. I think it's really important. And it, you know, it doesn't even have to be framed in terms of sex. There's this fishing line analogy about consent and I'm going to keep on coming, coming in, you know, strong on this consent rationale is that this fishing line analogy is that consent is like a fishing line. It's like no matter what, is happening no matter what 
interaction you are having at any point in time, you can reel that consent back in. And it doesn't matter if you had already given consent, you can reel it back in. Consent is no longer given. You know, if you say yes to an initial request, doesn't mean that the next one has to be the same. If you doesn't, you can go back. You can rescind your your initial consent that was given. And I think that there is um, a couple of things on this front that are really important to kind of say in a very clear cut, um, decisive way. Is that like all of you, all of you listeners, the the youth that you that you care for, um, as a caregiver, as a social worker, whatever the case is, also as you know yourself and within your own relationships, is that you have the right, without shame, blame, or guilt, to in all of your relationships with anyone, to you know choose the level of involvement that you uh, that an intimacy that you want to revoke consent to any form of intimacy to be free from coercion violence and intimidation to revoke consent to any form of intimacy to say no and to hold and express differing points and views and you know to make mistakes and to end relationships and so i think that it's really important to kind of fr- set this basis and be like you you this is your fishing line and it's your own personal fishing line and you get to set the tone and say no to things and you can say yes and you can make a mistake and be like, I maybe I shouldn't have said yes. I thought I was ready, but I'm not. And there's nothing wrong with that because consent can get really murky in that sense. And I think it's really important to have that conversation and to, to really communicate that people have the freedom to decide for themselves and to make a child feel emboldened that they can say, you know what, I don't want to have this conversation right now. I don't feel safe. I, you know, because if whatever context, if they're not feeling safe, if they're not feeling comfortable, then their experience is going to be tainted by their lack of safety and their lack of comfort. Mm-hmm. So that I just said a lot and because I'm because I'm really passionate about all of this. And, you know, these are some pretty big issues. And, you know, what are like, the, the, clearly, those are some of the things that I think that I want foster parents and caregivers to know, but what are some of the things that you want foster parents to know about sexual health and the youth that, you know, that they're fostering? I think mine was what I just said Mm. about creating a container of safety and coming with, you know, a non-judgmental air about you and, and really just being there for that young person and letting them know that like it is okay and that you can have those conversations and that they're not alone because Mm. that is that's another piece of like you know being in foster care is already isolating and lonely at times and um and when it comes to what we talked about earlier around shame and sex and that can just those it can just layer and layer and layer and then you have such a complex um bundle of emotions that then it makes it really hard to open up and so I think that is my probably biggest advice for foster parents but Slim I don't know if you have anything else to add no no I agree and just to reiterate just like the importance of what you said uh lean on then just the importance of the conversation you know in general is that you know sometimes we forget you know we see 
these kids in care and you forget that these are kids but think about everything they have to go through now not only are they away from their parents but it's all this other regular teen stuff puberty talking about sex all of this and so i just feel like that that's why this important is it, so this conversation is so important specifically when you do and when you are you know with kids who are in care or kids who you may have recently adopted so you're still building and forming those type of bonds to know that it's just you know it's just important to, to know, like you said, Carrie, to know that they can come and know that you can be open with them because there's so much other stuff. And sometimes I, I can only speak for myself. I know when I was in here, sex was the last thing on my mind. I was thinking about a whole bunch of other stuff, you know what I mean? But it's like, but it still was something there. And it's hard sometimes being a teen in that situation and wanting to think about teen stuff, but you can't because you have to think about all the other adult stuff you know, mm -hmm. but still having someone to let you know that you're still a kid and you still, it's still stuff you don't know. And if you don't know, you can cause yourself even more damage. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I guess what the last thing, and I think they probably teach this in trainings when you're learning, you know, how to be a caregiver or whatever. And I've heard it more in the public sphere around, uh, teaching kids the proper names for, your private parts and not giving them names like cookie or whatever, <laughs> because then that's creating a really yeah. a barrier no. to reporting yes, when, when sexual abuse or something is happening. And so, you know, just general thought mm -hmm. I'd throw that out there, but I think we should pivot and, and share some things that we would want to say to a young person in foster care about sexual health. Maybe something we wish someone said to us or we wish we knew back then, or something that someone did say to us that was super helpful. I think the the part about, um, I think trust. There, there, you know, within within your relationships, within something as intimate as sex, I think it is it's just really important to to have some basis of trust and communication as the foundation, because obviously, like. You know, kids are awkward, kids can be impulsive, kids can make decisions, and, you know, as you're growing up and just learning the ropes, that you know, it's not going to be perfect. And I think that it's really important to, to portray that the one thing that should be present in the room before anything else should be, you know, comfort should be, you know, verbal consent. I, you see a lot of movies. I mean, slamming backstage, you're talking about like how uh, annoying that, you know, you on these movies, you see, you never see an accurate portrayal of sex. And I mean, I think it's even, I think just in the simple sense, like this whole, like leaning in for a kiss kind of a thing on like a first date and whatnot. Um, it's just not okay. You know, you, you have to, there has to be consent and they're like, you can do it in a cute way or whatever and ask for a kiss or, uh, something like that. But the point is, is you don't just lean in for a kiss non-verbally and expect that the person's going to be receptive to it because what if they're not? And then you did that and you made them experience this, you know, like this emotion. And, and, and so like the movies in the media, like just portray this you know you never really it's always this like romanticized concept there's there's never like other emotions that are part of it it's always like random that, sex you know? no you clinic know, checks mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yep and so i think it's just like there it's it's a messy process and just trust and communication have to be there um before anything else 
That's what I would say. Um, I think for me, I would say, you know, um, definitely agree with, with Lino. And then, you know, I will also just reiterate just that because I, I know some of the biggest things that they told us is just they always drill, you know, pregnancy, you know. And unplanned pregnancy, first of all, isn't the only thing that can come from being uninformed about sex or having sex too early, you know. And I think, in my opinion personally, I would share with them that, you know, life is longer than we think. You know, and sometimes we try to grow up too fast, you know, and we need to give ourselves time to let excitement and anticipation build, you know, give yourself something to look forward to when you're you're young, you know, something to try to, you know, we try to grow up. But, you know, if you're blessed to know what it feels like to be a child or to be a teen, you should fill yourself up with that. Fill yourself up with being a teen, with being the child. So when you become an adult, you don't burn out so fast and things don't get so old. You know what I mean? You want things to to be new. You know, you want sex to be new because you're going to be an adult for a long time. You're not a child for a long time. You're not a teen for a long time. But you're going to be an adult for a very, very, very long time. So give yourself something exciting and something to wait for. And that's not just with sex. That's all the things that kind of border that line between teenagehood and coming of age or adulthood that we want to rush to. You know, give yourself time. You know, there and, and when it comes to sex in general there's so many other amazing and wonderful things that you can do and explore before sex becomes a thing you know before it becomes important before it becomes you know something that you have to talk about and think about there's so many other things around intimacy and romance that make sex better that makes sex fun that makes sex a part of that experience but when you do try to jump into those things you miss it you don't get it or it doesn't hit you the same. But in general, like I said, just give yourself time to anticipate. You know, be a teen, and then when you're adult, you got all these amazing things that all your friends got to too early, and now they adults and they're bored, and they're like, yeah, I've been there, done that. You're like, well, I haven't. Hell yeah, I'm getting in this shit. Nah, baby. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know? You know, they're going to be all, oh, I'm tired. All right, then. It's like, you're like, I haven't. I've been working, though. I did that part, but I didn't do this other start, baby. I'm ready to go. And then you get to do it as an adult, you know, and you get to feel it as an adult and you get to have time and stretch it out. You don't have to burn out so fast and feel like you got nothing to look forward to, you know, in life, you know, that, you know. So just let it build. That would be my thing. Just let it build myself. So. Yeah, yeah. So good. So good. I think I would, yeah, just like build off of slam and just say like, you don't, and I guess, you know, you said this earlier too, like you don't have to do anything you're not comfortable with. And if you're not ready, like you're not ready and there's nothing wrong with that. And don't feel pressured from your peers, from the person that you're with. Like it is your own timeline and sex does come with emotional implications. And I don't, I mean, I think you guys agree with me on that piece too, that like, sex is a physical act, but there are emotional ties to it. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. and so consider that before you just dive into something and then finally be safe, please be safe, please, please, please be safe. I, all of us have individuals in our life, uh, you know, myself included, a product of unplanned pregnancy and, it does throw things. Um, it can throw the plans that you have for your life. And while, you know, 
it's maybe not necessarily a mistake. It just really changes your trajectory. And so, um, if you're not in a place to be having a kid, really be thinking about safety and, and making sure that you understand contraceptions and all of that. And also, uh, the risk of STIs, the very real risk of STIs. And there are tons of resources these days where you can be, uh, you can have confidential, um, what is it? Confidential visits. You can have confidential conversations. Mm -hmm. You know, if you don't feel like you have someone you can talk to about these issues, like Foster Strong is here for you. Feel free to send us a DM on our, any of our social media accounts and we will respect your privacy. We just want to be here as a resource for you all because, you know, some of these things people didn't say to us or we didn't feel comfortable talking to them about. And so, uh, I think that's what I would tell the young people out there who may be listening to this. Also, like, let's get rid of the stigma around STIs and sexual health as well. Um, and I think you, you just take a moment, just take a brief moment, Google, you know, how common some of these STIs are and whatnot. And that'll just put things into perspective. And I think that, you know, you, you, you see these figures, I think it was like Magic Johnson way back when, and you know, there's, we've come a, a real long way since this, um, since the AIDS epidemic and, and just like the, the political warfare that sexual health has been as well. And I think, you know, I'm, I'm glad that they've switched away from like VD, where there was the venereal diseases, what they were calling it before now to like, and then it was like STDs, sexually transmitted diseases, and then they're switching to sexually transmitted infections because some of these things are treatable. And I think that that's another thing that's understanding. And so, you know, there are resources out there. Planned Parenthood is a great resource. I think there, there's often this misnomer um, or, and that they that Planned Parenthood focuses and, you know, like there's in the in the in the realm of politics, you hear about things like abortion and whatnot. But they're, like obviously they're, they're just there around family planning, whether it's contraception uh, what in and, and just having that those conversations, they may be available to have those conversations and they'll respect your privacy. They can, you know, I know sometimes they'll call and they'll say like, Hey, we're, um, calling, they say like you're a, a library or something like that. If you, if you don't feel safe in your environment, um, in terms of somebody monitoring, um, your sexual health and you're trying to have, they'll, they'll respect that privacy and they'll, they'll call as if you're, you know, returning, like you haven't returned your library book and you know, once they've gotten a hold of you, then they can have that conversation with you and you can feel safer about your sexual health. Just make sure that when you're, if you do feel ready, cause we, you know, if you do feel ready that you're informed and that you feel comfortable and you feel safe and that the person that you're engaging with, et cetera, is also in the same headspace and is, can give you verbal consent. And I'm glad you said that, Lino, because just to turn into a big sister slam for a second, because all the foster <laughs> kids out there, y'all, we all siblings around here. Um, so just to turn into big sister slam. And if you're out there listening and you have no idea what Lino just said, you don't know what the STD is, you don't know what the STI is, you don't know what HIV is, you should not be having sex in general all right <laughs> so that's number one so if you do not know what any of those things in if you wondering am i ready no you are not because you don't know what the scd or sti or any of those things are and you don't know where to go to find resources or to get help if one of these do occur so there's there's one thing we can help you out with so get information on those things if you don't know those things because 
like I said, being misinformed is just as dangerous. And so I feel like if you don't know anything about sex, then you shouldn't be having it anyway. So if you don't know the, the risks and the, 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 the sad, bad part of sex, not even the bad part, I don't know how to say it, but the, the not so fun part or the, the part that can, the negative part of sex, then you don't need to have it anyway. Because just like everything, there's a positive and there's a negative. And there is a risk with sex and there is a negative to sex. So you need to be informed of those negatives and those risks so that you can better propel yourself and so your experience can be better. You know, that's like with anything. You ain't fit to go rock climbing just with your uh, Jordans on and uh, your T-shirt and stuff. No. And you fit to go climb a rock? No. You're going to get you some proper <laughs> shoes. You're going to get you some what gear a comparison. You're going to take you, you know, some lessons, get you some information. Where's the best way to rock climb? You're going to inspect the mountain before you go. Is this mountain ready for me to climb? You know, that's my analogy. <laughs> you know what I mean? All of that stuff, you, you have to check if you're a rock climber. You don't just go climb the mountain. You check the weather. How's the weather? All of that is part <laughs> of it, okay? So that's just Big Sister Slam right there. Just wanted to throw that extra part out. There, there. we go, Big Sister Slam. <laughs> now we uh we know to we have a new analogy for sex, which is rock climbing. Rock. And I fully intend to make that a thing moving forward. And uh, you know, to our listeners out there, we hope this conversation was helpful. We're not trying to come at you like mean girls, uh, sex ed teacher, don't have sex or you will get pregnant and die. <laughs> Uh, we just we want to have a, a discussion. Will kill you. No. <laughs> yeah. We want to have a real discussion with you all, and uh, hopefully we'll explore this topic more in the future. But in the meantime, like, feel free to reach out to us whenever we're available, and and we want to be you know that big sister, big brother, whatever you need, we're here. So before we wrap up today, uh, I'm going to turn it over to Lino for a quick announcement and an exciting opportunity for us to really elevate the amazing young leaders out there. Absolutely. And now that I have the floor, I'd like to point out that that is the second time we have referenced Mean Girls in, in one of our episodes <laughs> and it it will never die. It fetch is going to happen. Um, <laughs> uh, but uh, no, anyways, so, so the, the next generation of great is, as we've mentioned in previous episodes, we're looking for the next generation of great foster youth that are out there, you know, advocating, doing awesome things. And we're just looking to the looking to highlight you. And uh, if you have any nominations, um, you know, anybody that's unbelievably resilient that you believe is unbelievably resilient and they have, you know, or even if they have the ability to be an amazing leader and you want to give them that opportunity, shoot us an email. Email us at podcast at urfosterstrong.org. That is urfosterstrong.org. But uh, yeah, outside of that, you know, everybody, it's been a pleasure um, I enjoyed our conversation. I'm glad we got to talk about some of these things. Uh, there's so much and so many kind of different corners of this conversation that we can really dive into. But I think to not overwhelm you with so much, we'll just leave it at that. Yeah. Thanks for joining everyone as we talked about the birds and the bees. And we will see you again soon. See y'all later. Peace out. Check us out on Instagram at YouAreFosterStrong and stay tuned with all the great things that we're doing on our website at YouAreFosterStrong.org. And remember, you are unbelievably resilient. Your story matters.